So, are you ready to go? So the fact that you bragged to me about having eaten a croissant and a bowl of mashed potatoes today as being like a quality food day. Like not a, <laughs> I'm ravenously starving and I've had three cups of coffee and I'm just like absolutely raging at the machine. Like that's not, that's not it. It's just not it, you know? Listen, I never wanted to be a poster child for unhealthy eating habits. But unfortunately you really are. Especially, I'm sorry, but you're giving such Lucille one vibes right now. <laughs> If everyone recalls the infamous episode of Arrested Development, where Lucille goes, get me a martini, and her son Michael goes, it's 10 in the morning, and she goes, and a piece of toast. <laughs> Rika is currently holding a martini in hand, just looking very, and get me a piece of toast. I mean, I would take a piece of toast. Oh, actually, I do have toast, but I have, like, bread in the freezer, so we have to toast it anyways. Okay. I have been eating nonstop <laughs> toast. Like, it's a problem how much toast I've been eating. And I'm just like... Do, 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 spread a little butter here. Oh, and then flaky salt on top. Like, I'm mm, just, mm-hmm. my salt addiction reigns supreme. That's, yes, of course, we know this. It's so bad. If I may get back to my upcoming um, entry into Vogue, <laughs> what I eat in a day routine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Following the trend of many an influencer who does not eat solid foods. Mm. Uh, so you are ready to be an influencer. Yeah. Liz, it's not on purpose. No, I know. But I could plan better, and I do enjoy making it everybody else's problem, so... I mean, that I respect. I also just want to say, I have those things that I got at the store. They're literally smoothie cubes. You just put them in a blender with water. Yeah, I have have those in my freezer. It's just not that hard. It's not that hard, but... You just need to get your head on straight, man. Every day I plan a little bit to eat, and then... (sighs) There's no force on earth that will make me go hungry. I used to think this too. And usually I, the problem is I don't notice until mm. it's too late. That is the real Which problem. is really the crux of it. Um, and I did see a TikTok that said that it was maybe depression, but oh. I'm choosing to see it as commitment to <laughs> my craft of work. <laughs> commitment to the bit. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let's let's go with that and not the much worse option of the two. Anyway, so I've had a bowl of mashed potatoes and a croissant uh, and I thought about having soup. <laughs> And she tried. She tried, apparently. Um, and now we're Allegedly. having a martini. It's fine. I had, just as we're all curious, mm-hmm. I had an iced latte that Amy brought me because she's the single greatest thing that's ever happened to my entire life. Shout out to Amy. Amy Dang. I'll give you her social insurance number and her address later. Um, <laughs> what else? And then, oh, Vanessa made really good pasta for lunch. It was like shallots and freaking mushrooms and stuff Ooh, so good so i had some of that mm-hmm. and then i had a glass of red wine during a tasting <laughs> so it's going well as well yeah but pasta's like that's a full meal sure yes yeah, yeah. absolutely and now i'm having this martini and we've got a lot of cheese on the side so we're set yeah we're we're halfway there um this, this episode is not going to be us tasting cheese or telling you about how we haven't eaten today or i have it's fine I mean, not for much longer, but we would like to tell you about this martini that we're making. Drinking. Oh, mon dieu. So everyone saw the TikTok of the Negroni with sushi rice and how that had some body and a good mouth feel. <laughs> um, so we have made a gin martini with the sushi rice and it's fucking great. Oh, and blue cheese stuffed olives. Yeah. Oh, Did you add any, um, like, olive brine, really, or just... No, the... I didn't do, because there wasn't any brine in the package. It yeah. was just like that. And I felt like we didn't really need the brine. I no. wanted it kind of straight up. Also, if anyone asks, it's Sheringham Seaside Gin, and I fucking recommend it. It's delightful. Delightful. And add a little, yeah, stir it up with some sushi rice. It gets kind of cloudy, and it gets floral and creamy. It's and... real good. 
Yeah. So, yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not doing martinis today. This is Pantry Staples. Did we say that already? The podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. And I'm Emily. And I'm Marika. <laughs> and I have a really bad sunburn. And so I'm quite itchy and it's peeling and Marika's dealing with that. Gross. Thank you. It is gross. I am disgusting. <laughs> It's also, I could barely, not to guess, we really will get to the point at some point, but um, I could barely sleep the other night. I was like, mm-hmm. why am I so fucking hot? And it's like, it's because I'm radiating the sun. The heat from the sun that has been absorbed into your back. I have a burnt butt. <sighs> Played myself. Anywho, so chocolate is what we're talking about today. We're back. We're back. It is another fun guy episode on this <laughs> Sporsborg of a fun season. Yeah. Um, but we're not talking specifically about chocolate today. I wanted to discuss after we discussed, or we talked about the history last episode that mm. we did on chocolate. But this week, I want to talk about one of the big bads. Ooh, one yes. One of the big chocolate producers. Big. <laughs> yeah, big chocolate is a term that gets thrown around, by the way. It's Does not it? just like, yeah, it's like... In, like, the literature? Yeah, they're like big chocolate and all the problems that that poses. I love it. And <laughs> one of its main culprits... Mm-hmm. That name you love to hate, mm-hmm. that you can't avoid at a grocery store, literally if you tried. Uh, yeah. Nestle. Oh, of course. Yeah, they are the worst. I actually wanted to do, like, one of the things I wanted to do was literally go down one of the aisles in the grocery store and write down every single brand that was there and then look up how many actual companies are being sold within one aisle. Oh, Because I'm pretty yeah. sure the answer is two. Yeah, I think the I, the name that or the number that I've heard before is like four. It's like there's four. There's four companies. companies. Yeah, which probably corresponds with the big four of big chocolate. I'm sure that it does. Yeah. And, so and it, you're gonna tell me that it all goes back to like early big chocolate, or is it just like? Well, actually, it kind of goes back to early big milk. <gasps> yeah, big milk. <laughs> big milk. <laughs> That's my gang name, actually. <laughs> big milk. Um. No, so let me tell you about Nestle. Mm-hmm. First, of all, first of all, let me tell you about some more modern chocolate inventions that oh, get yeah. us kind of okay. to where we are. Yeah. So, 1792, Walter Churchman invented the mechanical cocoa grinder in Bristol, and he used to prepare the beans on a far larger scale than ever before. So, okay. that's one great invention. So, it's, we're grinding things. We're grinding. Grinding. We're on the grind. It's hustle culture at its mm-hmm. finest. Of course. Um, the patent for a chocolate refining process was later bought in 1761 by Joseph Fry of fry cocoa yes um 1828 a dutch chemist created a way to make powdered chocolate by removing about half of the natural fat from the chocolate uh treating the mixture with alkaline salts to cut the bitter taste this became known as dutch cocoa and led to the creation of a solid sweet chocolate bar so when we were talking about the kind of chocolate we were before i did say like yeah you could have it solid blah 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 mm-hmm. it's kind of similar to what it is that's still true but it was predominantly drinking chocolate which i think i failed okay. to emphasize so i yeah. apologize for that i think um, actually listening back to that episode that I did get that more. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, no, we were just... We're drinking it mostly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't nearly as sweet as what it was. Like, obviously, sugar had been added to it, but it wasn't, like, the rich creaminess that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we're coming to a very modern iteration of and, it. And the Dutch process is what's getting yeah. us there. Right, exactly. okay. 1847, Joseph Fry made the first modern chocolate paste by adding melted cocoa butter back to the Dutch cocoa. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. 1868, Cadbury started marketing boxes of chocolate candies in England. Milk chocolate hit the market a few years later, pioneered by Nestle. So was Cadbury doing things before? Was it cookies before? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So Cadbury's like were biscuits. Yeah. Like and then it the turned... The baby. Yes. Yes, yes. So these are just a few like little facts. They're not... I'm not delving super deeply into that because I didn't really want to focus on Nestle today. But, like, suffice to say, 17 to 1800, we're seeing 
changes that are making this more mechanized than ever before and more like what we're seeing we're seeing chocolate being formed into like little candies into bars mm-hmm. into shapes that are like easily sellable right um, yes so not just like a product like a, a cafe product. exactly yes okay um, during the Revolutionary War in America, chocolate was used in lieu of wages and included in soldiers' rations. So, again, I cannot emphasize how much chocolate is central to, like, culture and e- economy in a lot of ways. Like, we've mm-hmm. talked about it with, like, early Mayan and, like, Incan civilizations and stuff like that. Like, that obviously is a form of currency, but we're still seeing it used in a sort of way, which is very interesting. I it think. is interesting and, like, something that we don't really talk about, I guess. No, or haven't the slightest. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Um all of this thriving market that's been created 16th, 18th, 19th century is really the result of slave labor. And I'm not going to delve into this today too much because I, that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. Yeah. But like, we need to recall that like, who's making this? <laughs> it's sure as shit. Not all of the fucking, uh, South American population that's been decimated by a disease yeah. that's been brought over by Christopher Columbus. They're dead. They can't work anymore. Or if they are alive, then they're, they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so now we are importing slaves to do this. We are starting to moving ex- them. Fr- we're doing. Oh, okay. We're moving them to South America mm-hmm. in like the way that you know the global slave trade did have that. But they're also starting chocolate production at other areas in Africa. Right. So yes. this entire advent of chocolate, all the delicious things that you are so used to, it is always being born on the back of slavery, and it will continue to be deadening until the day capitalism dies. So <laughs> enjoy your sweet treats, motherfuckers. Um, anyways. Roughly two-thirds of the world's cocoa is produced in Western Africa, mostly the Ivory Coast, Ghana after that. Okay. Uh, The Ivory Coast is the largest source producing a total crop of 1,448,992 tons. So 1.45, basically, tons of cocoa a year. Wow. That's coming out of there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, those are other top places. Uh, So that's really where we're seeing it. And again... The slave trade that is no longer allowed, still very much happening in a different manner. It's uh, just discreet now, that's all. Yeah, and we've talked about that in other episodes too. Again, just like, like the, avocados and like yeah. the people who are being, anyways. It's just slavery by a different name or by a different... Exactly. Yeah. Like in, what is it, wage slavery is the thing? Yeah. yeah it's like yeah. you're beholden to somebody because you do not make enough money from what they're paying you. Yes. So anyways, that's super fun and not what we're going to get into, but just an acknowledgement that that is where we're at. Um, so let's talk about the history of Nestle because mm-hmm. when people think about slavery, they think of Nestle. It's true. They should. They should. I feel like I don't even think about chocolate when I think about Nestle anymore. Really? What do you think of? I think about water. Yeah, I mean, that is the big one, and I will have a point on that later. And I think just because it's such a big one, like, here mm-hmm. in BC, too. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. It's a... I think of Nesquik every time. I can't help it. I, I do now that we're talking about it, but yeah, it's not... It's, like, the second thing that comes to my mind, which is funny. Well, that's probably something that they're actually pleased for you to think about, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. So I am going to not delve, like, incredibly deeply into things. This is mostly, like, I just want to emphasize what the fuck this company looks like. Like the the genre, like the gist of this is that I want you to feel how this looks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's start about the history. Nestle started its history in two separate Swiss enterprises. Oh. So they later merged together. Charles and George Page 
brothers from the United States who were living in Switzerland established the Anglo-Swiss Condensed Milk Company. Again, milk. Big milk. Milk. Big milk. Um, Henri Nestle uh, developed a milk-based baby food. And again, baby food is the other bit that we don't talk about here. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, And began marketing it. So the two of them are doing these things independently in Switzerland. Yep, that's where I'm talking about. Like, Swiss. That's Switzerland. Nice. Nailing it. Um, So they're doing that independently. And then at the same time that uh, Henri Nestle starts developing more, like, condensed milk, then the... um, uh, page brothers they start doing baby food and so they're realizing that they're oh. now in direct competition with each other right so they're both doing each other's business exactly and yeah so they're like huh this seems like a funny time um both aggress- uh, enterprises aggressively expanded their business throughout europe and the united states 1877 the anglo-swiss condensed milk added milk-based baby food to its products and then the following year nestle company added condensed milk again direct rivals yeah um let's see 1905 was when they finally merged. There was a lot of other things that happened, like intermittently. Of course, in there. just like the companies, and then I guess at some point they were like, "Hey, we we gotta just you get can't on beat them, join them." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 1905, the companies officially merged to become Nestle. It was called something else at the time, but I just felt like for the sake of Cons- continuity yep. and consistency, uh, Nestle. This was after their first American factory was actually opened in 1900. So oh. they'd already opened a factory together before the like actual paperwork was drawn up. Okay, cool. Um, in, in the States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nestle brought chocolate into their company in 1905 and began diversifying the products that they offered even further. So that's the number one thing that we're going to focus on in terms of Nestle. Yeah. Diversifying their products. They yeah. want to have a finger in every pie. Yes. There's dirty little wormy, germy, <laughs> not cut nails. Nails that have lots of crud under them. No, 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 no. In every friggin' pie. Ew. Yeah. Uh, so now, what's a good thing that happens for businesses? War. Yeah. World War One proved very lucrative. They had rich government contracts for mm-hmm. condensed milk and chocolate. Because those things were seen as like... Health foods, like part of rations. Exactly. It's cheap because to produce. Because you can't and go to war without chocolate. <laughs> which we've literally already seen it in the Revolutionary War being used as part of their rations. So how could they not go without? So yeah. they secure this contract. They're making dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> they are living. By the end of the war, Nestle had 40 factories around the globe. Wow. So we start 1900, one factory in America. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming one in Switzerland as well. Sure, maybe two, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. 40 factories around the world after... World War One, Like, in under 10 years, basically. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, let's see. 1927, it acquired the rights from cheesemakers Gerber and Company. 19- Gerber was a cheesemaker? I know. Gerber and Company. I don't know if it's the same as, like, Gerber the, the baby. babies. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, 1937, they invented instant coffee. So oh, Nest of course. Cafe. I forgot that they're Nescafe. The Nescafe is such an enormous partnership for them. And they also, it's- like, if we're jumping way ahead, and I will talk about this maybe later, is... Their partnership with Starbucks has been so goddamn mm. lucrative, and that has been one of the major tenants that they've tried to like push forward. One of the like areas of their business that they're really looking to develop because that partnership has been so successful and is also helping them. Like they don't want to necessarily look at that junk foodie kind of industry anymore. Yeah. They're looking. We'll get into that, anyways. Oh wow! Oh my goodness! And that's like boop, boop. I'm thinking of all of the things. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, World War Two. 
When do you get a chance to show how great you are? When is a time to rise, a hero amongst us? <laughs> is it not World War II if you're the Nestle company because you are a dirty little shyster. Oh, and because you're Switzerland, but not in a good way. Not in a fucking good way. Because actually it was never in a good way. It was never in a good way. Neutral saying Switzerland is always the way of saying I'll fuck everyone over always. Uh, World War II, they supplied both sides of the conflict. They won a contract to feed the German army and Nescafe was sold to the American military in such incredible quantities that it was basically a household name after this. Yeah. Like, truly fucked. Wow. Um, they would later have some consequences from this, apparently. They are forced to pay $14.6 million to Holocaust-era claims that their company used slave labor in Germany, or sorry, in German-controlled countries. As a rule, they were not worried or uneasy about the situation. As long as production was maintained, they had no thoughts of intervening in the management or personnel policies of their subsidiaries. That is a direct quote from a 2001 report by a Swiss historian who specifically investigated this. So, they real shysty. They're just like, hmm. We, it's it's the classic, it's like almost like what you hear now, where it's like, we like we don't know what people are going to do with our product after they buy it. Like, we're just here making guns. What are we going to, we're just here making, it's, like, arsenic. We don't know what people are going to do with it. Goddamn lame excuse. Like, okay. how lame do you have to be to be like, yeah, we're fine with it. We were thinking, huh, these Nazis, they seem like they're probably going to have some pretty solid labor practices. Uh, they created a bottled water division by acquiring different European brands, such as Vitel, Perrier, San Pellegrino. Officially, none of those are my favorite bottles of water, so <laughs> feeling good about that. Did you Google Badois? I did not, because I don't want to know. I'm a Badois <laughs> baddie for life. Um, they bought, I'm just listing things they've purchased now. Yeah. American companies, Libby, Stouffer's, Carnation, Purina, Dryer's Ice Cream, so that's giving them a controlling ice cream interest mm, in mm-hmm. the American market. Ovaltine, Kraft Foods, they bought Kraft. They bought Kraft? Yeah. Recently? Mm, this is like ages ago. I feel like they might not own it anymore. These things because Kraft is one of the other big, is another big food as far as I recall. But no, no not it's anymore. It's within it. Intrigue. All big foods. It seems like it's a big food, but no, it's not. Because they were a big food and then they were absorbed by bigger food. By bigger food. This is the thing. I saw one graph and it was just like fish eating <laughs> littler fish. Oh, no. Yeah. Bought Cross and Blackwell, British maker of preserves and canned foods. In the 1970s, they predicted a sluggish future for the food industry. They started diversifying into cosmetics and pharmaceuticals, acquiring a steak in L'Oreal, which they still have to this day. I don't know if it's a controlling steak. I can't recall, but I do believe it's a sub- significant one. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Alcon Laboratories, which is one of the largest like eye pharmaceutical, but like cosmetic-y things as well. Oh, weird. Um, 1988, they bought Passage and Butoni. 2002, they paid $2.6 billion to own Hot Pockets. <laughs> Which I'm sorry. That's stupid. Who owned Hot Pockets before? Just they were, Was it Hot, Hot Pockets its own? There was no... I forget what the name of the company is, but they bought Hot Pockets. $2.6 billion. I mean, I was about to say that that's not like a ton of money, but it's also so much money. It's so much money. This is the thing. is like when we look at the numbers for this, all the numbers feel fake. Because yeah. you're just like, yeah, they had to pay X amount of millions to this. They bought this for billions. Everything's a fucking weird time, man. I don't know. It's like, whatever. Um, This one will kill you. 2006, they bought Jenny Craig. <laughs> uh, I read that and I was just like, huh. Incredible. Gonna just sit with that for a minute. Of course. Uh, 2007, they bought medical nutrition of, or sorry, the medical nutrition of Novartis Pharmaceuticals as well as Gerber Baby Food. So they're really starting to look into a very different thing than what they started with. We're starting 
Well, I mean, I not mean, really baby, food. baby foods, but like they really made their millions or billions on like, like junk quick food. junk yeah. foody things. Like even Nescafe, like that is quite like a junky thing in some yeah. senses. It's not associated with like a healthy lifestyle. Right. The chocolate isn't associated with a healthy lifestyle. Hot pockets are not associated <laughs> with a healthy lifestyle. And then they are doing at the same time as they're acquiring all this sort of stuff, they're acquiring all this other like pharmaceutical crap. Yep. So this, what I thought was really interesting. So this article I read said, since 2010, they've been trying to transform themselves into a nutrition, health, and wellness company to combat decline in confectionery sales and tighter government regulations on the sale of junky food. (gasps) So like you have the soda tax. Yeah. They don't want to deal with any of that. So they're like, we're going to go the other direction. Mm -hmm. They formed the Nestle Institute of Health Sciences. Oh, This is trying to create quotes, a new industry between food and pharmaceuticals by creating foodstuffs with preventative and corrective health properties (gasps) that will replace pharmaceutical drugs from pill bottles. Oh my god, that sounds like Soylent Green. What? Soylent Green. (laughs) Never mind. I don't know what that is. What is it? Uh, It's a a film from the 70s. It's actually a book. I should read that. Yeah, you actually might like the book. Mm. I'm reading um, The Jungle, which is about the Chicago meatpacking Oh, yeah, we talk about it all the time. And then every time we're like, what's what's this book? Yeah. I bought it, so I have it on my bedside. It's it's next week's book. Cool. Yeah. But yes, Soiling Green. The book is called Make Room, Make Room. Okay, will you text that to me? Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Anyways, which like, it is so fucked that they're just like, yeah, we're going to create a middle ground between healthcare, which I don't, like, between healthcare and junk food and like, I don't know. It was so weird. And just like... It's just... It's it's all like ad speak. Like it's, Exactly. But how dangerous that... Like, all I could think was, if I was somebody who was living in a less developed country, like America, mm-hmm. where our healthcare system is so garbage and it costs so much money to get my diabetes medication, and somebody was telling me that they had a juice that could control my diabetes, I'd be all over that. Yep. Like, how dangerous and, and also the fact irresponsible that, and irresponsible like how is it not a conflict of interest to own like mm-hmm. like a sugar based product and then also like diabetes medication like it's just like oh i don't think they care about their conflict oh of, of course they don't they're spending 1.9 million every year in the u.s alone on lobbying i mean of course they are yeah insane Anyways, uh, 2014, they are the largest publicly held food company in the world, measured by revenue. Wow. So that's fun. Uh, 2022, Nestle announced that it would pay cocoa farmers in Cote d'Ivoire to keep their kids in school, increase productivity on their farms through practices like pruning and planting shade trees. So this is wild. And I read this article, and I'm just basically going to read you almost the entire article because I think it's so interesting. So... Around 10,000 cocoa households in Ivory Coast could earn up to basically $536 a year if they keep their children in school, improve farm productivity, and diversify income and protect the environment. On their own dime? I believe so. Let me read the article. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Swiss multinational company Nestle announced that it will roll out Income Accelerator Program to cover 10,000 families in West African countries. This was made after the positive results of a 2020 pilot program tested on 1,000 cocoa farmers. Uh, They gain extra cash if they follow a set of guidelines set down by Nestle, the company said during an online meeting. These include refraining from child labor by enrolling all children between ages 6 and 16 in school and also by increasing the productivity of their cocoa farms through best practices like pruning. Environmental activities such as planting shade trees also qualify for payment, as does reducing dependence on cocoa and its fluctuating global price by diversifying income sources. Following best practices, cocoa-growing farmers can earn an extra payment of up to uh, 
CHF 500 a year for the first two years of the program. That's like, I guess, the uh, Cote d'Ivoire currency. Mm. Uh, an extra payment of 500 a year for the first two years. And then it will drop to 250 thereafter. Um, this is expected to extend to direct payment schemes in Ghana in 2014 and eventually to all of its 160,000 cocoa farmers by 2030, which I don't believe for shit because they are not known for good follow through, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So their CEO, Mark Schneider, Schneider, said the goal was to simultaneously tackle the problems of child labor, gender inequality, and living income gap. That's the other thing is that under this, the income, like the extra cash would be paid to both the farmer and his wife. So it's both. Like they each get $500? No, no, they split split evenly. But it's like supposed yeah. to be done that way so that it's yeah. not just directly going to the man's hands anyways um and living income gap we know the path to living income for cocoa household will be long and winding prime minister of the ivory coast patrick achi who also addressed the online gathering said that his country's cocoa farmers had a right to a decent and dignified life not fucking wrong there mate in 40 years the price of cocoa has halved in this situation the plight of the planters has become a major problem yeah no shit <sighs> It's like it okay. So it all sounds good, but it also but if it's it's like we're gonna pay you incentives if you do all of this extra work. I think and like extra. I think what it is is basically like they are getting this extra money that I I don't understand completely. I'll be totally Mm -hmm. honest with you, but I do think that these steps will mean additional income on top of the expense of doing these things. Like I think that it's substantial enough amount that Mm -hmm. it is going to be extra because even. Like, let's just say this is this is in the currency, like, $532, yeah. whatever. They're still making, like, 89 cents a day. Yeah. So, like, that's an incredible amount of money if they're spending, like, a little bit to send their kids. Like, not a little bit, but, like, if they're so, selling, using a substantial amount to send their kids to school, that's still going to be extra on top. Yes. And I, I'm just trying to think like what it feels like it sounds it's something that sounds all good and well oh, on no, paper it's super creepy and i don't like it but i'm just but saying, it's like, like on paper it seems good it seems good but it's it's also just like I, it doesn't seem to take into account like the reasons that people don't do like more environmental or like quote-unquote best practices right I like think it does actually does like, it i think that them saying we want you to do like these sorts of things like pruning your trees differently or this sort of stuff, or like if they're making it more lucrative to be a cocoa farmer, they're not going to turn to, as we discussed last time, that gold mining that is super Mm. harsh for the environment. Like I do think that on paper, all of this sounds very good. My main concern is why is this uh, company involved in the government? I do not like that. That streams very, very sketchy. And so so paternalistic too. So paternalistic. Like, fuck you, mate. Like you're the one that caused this problem, not fucking (laughs) Cote d'Ivoire. Anyways, uh, child labor has proved difficult to eradicate in West Africa. A 2020 report commissioned by the U.S. Department of Labor showed that 1.56 million children were still in cocoa-related child labor in Ivory Coast and Ghana. Oof. So, hmm. not great. But, I mean, that's an interesting... It's interesting that that's come out. And I mm-hmm. wanted to talk about that first because now we're going to talk about their scandals. So I just wanted to... You know, like they're trying, they're trying to fix their rep. Yeah, but like the thing that gets me so crazy is that like it doesn't really seem like they're trying that hard. Um, 
their targeted advertising of formula to mothers in less developed countries. That is the one that I think everybody can really, really discuss. Yes. Especially people who are like maybe slightly older than us will remember that one as being like a big thing. I think it was in the 80s and 90s was when it was a, the biggest issue. Yeah. So basically, they flogged this marketing to death. <laughs> they literally aggressively attacked breastfeeding in developed nations and said, hey, what you are doing is less healthy and less nutritious and you are basically fucking over your kid if you do this. Which is fucked because <laughs> one, just... breast is best. We've all seen the ads. Um, but two, formula is great. It's a fine alternative if you don't want to breastfeed. Or can't. And, yeah, which or a lot can't. of people can't. Like, there's, Truly, the like breast... there's, there's a myriad of reasons. It's a very big can of worms. Not yeah. We're not taking a side on that. But it's a great option if you have proper refrigeration and clean sanitary water, which people in these areas did not have. Right. So you're in rural areas telling these women, fuck you, you're hurting your baby by not giving it formula. And then they give their baby formula and it gets sick because it is not properly kept cold and it is made with contaminated water. Uh... Yeah. Seven years of boycotts occurred. Mm-hmm. After seven years, that's how long it took them to be like, hmm, maybe we should change our advertising practices. I mean, nobody's shocked after their Nazi response. Truly. Uh, yeah, that's the thing I feel like we really need to keep coming back to. Nazi supporters. <laughs> uh, took them seven years to change their marketing practices to align and be in compliance with the World Health Organization's bylaws on infant formula. Oh, boy. Seven years it took them. Reverted almost immediately. Of course. So they were basically like, we're going to be good for like six months. There was an independent review that was done to see if they were like in compliance. And apparently they passed, except for in 4% of advertisements in certain countries were found to be coercive or something like that. But like, I don't believe in those 4%. <laughs> also, there's like this huge scandal that in different countries, they have doctors, like especially I think China was one of them where oh. they're actively pushing formula in the hospitals. They had a whistleblower who came forward in China and said, yeah, I think that this is, like, going on, blah, blah, blah. And then... Nothing. Never heard from again. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Coco. Child yeah. labor in the Cote d'Ivoire, as I said. Children are not just being used as labor and they're being like, I don't see it. That's fine. They're being trafficked into the country from Mali and Burkina Faso. So, like, kids <sighs> are being taken from a different country and then, and then forced to work their tiny little fingers to the bone doing a job that is incredibly labor intensive that nobody wants to do. Okay, when you're saying trafficking, are we using like a right-wing buzzword type no, term no, or is like trafficked? Okay. Like like grabbed off the street or coerced into being like come here, you'll make Both. lots of money or hey. Uh, I think it's more like the your parents don't have enough money to feed you. We will create a situation where you can now go. This seems like good. You can go and work. And then they take them out of the country to a place where they're going to be. like So like, avo- like the avocado farming for yeah, like Mexican work. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But children. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 2013, two Nestle executives, a competitor and a distributor, were all charged with allegedly fixing the price of cocoa. Mm. every year seven to nine times more cocoa is bought and sold on the exchange than physically exists so <gasps> there is this massive like fake inflated cocoa market that is just like hanging in the ether there and these motherfuckers are trying to control the prices of it uh they price settled. fixing is wild it's, like i don't understand it no no one but does i know it's bad we all <laughs> that's, know it's that's why bad. they get away with it it's true it's because we're all too dumb to know the economy 
No, because they purposefully keep us in the dark. They settled this uh, charge after a multi-year investigation by the Canadian Competitive Bureau for $23 million. So they settled. That does not mean acquitted. That <laughs> means settled. They're like, shh, 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 Yeah. 2008. Toxic industrial chemicals melamine was found in Hong Kong-made milk supplies and sickened 50,000 children. Killed at least four. God. Big milk. Really not, 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 not nailing it. it. No. Um, 2015, labor and human rights abuses were cited in the Nestle seafood industry. Some t- they, this is a, yeah, seafood? Yeah. Truly disgusting. I, why is that so gross to me? That Nestle's in the seafood game? Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be a shock. <laughs> I don't know why it's like the worst thing I've heard so far. Yes, the Nazi sympathizers, but <laughs> ew, the ocean. I'm just thinking like chocolate seafood. <laughs> ew. Although, there's a way it could work. No. You compare everything if you try. Oh, God. White chocolate and prawns? I feel I it. mean, I was going to do white white chocolate and like I think sable a fish. Hmm. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Quote, sometimes the net is too heavy and workers just get pulled into the water and just disappear. What? Yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. I mean, of course it's a thing, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, shouldn't be. Many of these things shouldn't be things. <laughs> um, it's like, I don't know, the net's just too heavy. Now let's talk about the water, as you brought up. The uh, thing that's so ubiquitous to it. I'm not going to say much, but 2017, the Times reported that Nestle pays only $200 a year <laughs> for a permit fee to pump 130 million gallons of water from a well it owns in Michigan. Yep. So first of all. Michigan. Michigan. So sad for Michigan, frankly. Saddest for Flint. Saddest for Flint. Can't talk about it. Very sad. Um, anyways, like I don't, I don't have anything more to say to that. Just like they're paying basically nothing yeah, to like, just rape and pillage the land and infect the people and create plastic waste and steal very precious natural resources. Cool. Did they buy that well in hope, or are they just? Is there still a battle of that? I feel like there's still a battle going on. Yeah. I didn't look it up because I didn't want to know. <laughs> I was like, hmm, this is all stuff that happens elsewhere. Not for me, thank you. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, modern shit. Mm. This is fun. 2022, they refused to withdraw their staff and manufacturing from Russia as they bombed the shit out of the Ukraine. We already know that they're not really on the right side of history, but it's nice to be reminded, isn't it? It's just like... <sighs> so, yeah. Like, and they're not making it easy for themselves. Yeah, and yet they're kicking it in the dick, which is the worst part. They're incredibly successful. Well, and I think you're right. Like, it's because we don't know. Like, then that's like, they maybe they learned from, like, the boycotts. I guess. I think it's literally just, like, after you get so big, there's nothing that can touch you. True. Like, unfortunately, we can't avoid every single manufactured product. I mean, like, we, that's, could, we could, but we can't. But we can't. That's not realistic. And again, we had this conversation. We we're talking about cocoa and like, are the cocoa farmers and why they're now turning to things that are going to pollute the earth. Nobody has time to be so socially responsible when they're poor. Yeah. It is not on the fault of people eating pizza pockets. No. Nope. They want a pizza pocket. No. And it shouldn't be up to them. And it shouldn't be up to them. Like there should be more government over, or I don't know, maybe less government oversight. I don't know, man. Maybe we should just start shanking people. <laughs> So that's my podcast for today. I did what I could. Wow. It's a real bummer, I know. It's such a bummer. I mean, it's like, it's all, it's not. And again, none of this is new. You've heard all of it before. It's new, but it's just to like really have it like listed out like that. It's just like, wow. It's a little sad. (sighs) 
like, should we get on the phone with George Clooney? Because, like, his Nespresso Nescafe? Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. call him up. She'll be like, George. You suck. Talk to your wife. Stop the endorsements. Stop the endorsements. Here's the thing. George Clooney doesn't care. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Clearly. George Clooney has his fucking rape and pillage tequila, <laughs> and he has his rape and pillage coffee, and uh, that's what he's into. <sighs> I've never liked George Clooney. I feel like he has a weird face and I didn't watch the show that got him famous and everybody got into him and I never bothered. I just don't care. That's fine. That's your prerogative. Here's the thing. It's my one controversial opinion. (laughs) I don't think that's true. Name one other controversial opinion. Uh, We don't have time for that list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening, everybody. Send your letters to george.clooney at hotmail.com. Uh, no, he's obviously on Yahoo. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Yahoo.biz. Um, and rate, review, subscribe. Us on all the podcast things. Tell your friends, tell your foes. Do all these things so that we can get rich and famous and stop caring about morals. And yeah. And can get really into capitalism. And like endorsed by, I don't know, Nestle podcasts. <laughs> yeah, Nestle, sponsor this. If you dare. Um, if you dare, you fucking coward. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk to you in a couple weeks with maybe something lighter. Probably not. Who are we kidding?